EVs are coming under a sort of a weird attack vector when it comes to incentives or even disincentives for purchasing and owning one over the time. Um, but we also have a lot of other good news in the auto news um, world on auto catch up and um, to talk through it and to, to dive through on some of the more positive things as well. I've got Joel Strickland here with me. Welcome back, Joel. Good to have you back. Thanks, Ash. It's been a couple of weeks. What have you been up to? Uh, busy. Lots lots of stuff happening with work and stuff, so it's kind of kept me busy. I've been trying to keep my sort of finger on the pulse with what's been happening, you know, news-wise, and there's yeah. been lots happening. Um, we're, we're getting into the end of the season with motorsport. Um, we're already talking a little bit about silly season for next year. Um, so, yeah, there's, uh, there's a little bit to cover tonight. Yeah, of course. And um, haven't... Haven't been able to drive anything just yet. It uh, restrictions have just been sort of lifting for you now, coming back to a little bit of normality. Yeah, things are now. very much returning to yeah. normal now. We sort of, um, you know, we still obviously have, you know, in terms of um, capacity limits in venues and stuff like that. Is you know, it's slowly we've just had another bunch of restrictions lifted over the weekend here. Um, we now don't have to wear masks outside when we're um, by ourselves, uh, but we do still have to inside. So that's been a bit of a, a mm-hmm. nice change. Um, but yeah, there's nothing. Uh, I haven't been able to get behind the wheel of anything really. I did have a six um, three uh, loan car for um, uh, when I had my car service the other day. So that's about the only other different thing I've, I've driven recently, which is you know kind of a bit weird. But it was a brand new car. It was kind of weird. The dealership normally gives me a car that's you know it's an ex demo or or a current demo, but this thing was brand new. It had like nine k's on the clock, so that nice. was a little weird feeling taking that. Mm. And, Putting you know twenty or thirty k's on it. Yeah. Oh well, it's uh, well, it's good to know that the um, yeah the restrictions are lifting and you know you can enjoy a little bit more freedom and um, whilst also still keeping uh, responsible as well and 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 safe. Yeah, exactly. And we've got the ability now that the the ring of steel, as we called it, and also the borders, which we had uh, restrictions with New South Wales, have all been lifted. So, you mm-hmm. know, there's nowhere we can't really go now. Um, we obviously don't want to head sort of west to South Australia at the moment, but we can certainly head north into New South Wales. Can't quite head up your way yet, but all of Victoria is open. And, um, yeah, it's... Um, it'll be good to get out and sort of do some, uh, do some road trips again soon. Absolutely. Well, um, I've been keeping busy. So last week I've been, uh, I was driving the Series 2, so the updated facelift for the Suzuki Swift. Um, so I had the, the turbo model. And, um, man, it was such a shock going from the Land Cruiser Sahara <laughs> down to down to a Swift. I felt like I was Bit sitting of a on the ground. Yeah, but it's also refreshing that, you know, for a car that, you know, the Swift model you can get in very, very comfortably, you know, that, that mid-teens um, and even low-20 um, bracket. That's a good price for that car. It really yeah, is. really sharp. And particularly, you know, when other brands are pushing the price, you know, a little bit at the moment, we've seen, you know, a ton of price increases across a number of segments and brands. And so it's, you know, it's it's one of those cars that has constantly strived to to sort of keep the status quo in terms of price and um, whilst not compromising much at all in terms of features. So the turbo model... Um, just obviously it's not the fastest thing it's not as quick as a swift sport either but having that turbo just gives you that excellent 
boost of of power delivery just a little bit earlier that you miss out on any other sort of car in that price range and so acceleration is great it's it, it feels swift you know part of the which part, spec but, did you have uh so it was the turbo um, okay, the glx yeah so here yeah. in um in queensland the models are slight you know they're all the same but slightly different but yeah it um the glx just does great it's cost seats which is perfectly fine for me in that price bracket i I don't have any complaints about that um you have your blind spot monitoring lane departure uh radar cruise control reversing camera parking sensors apple carplay android auto you don't get digital radio that's probably just the one that's a weird one yeah so but kind of go standard normally with these kind of systems now yeah find a little bit weird when you don't uh don't include it in something like that yeah, but I do think about the target market. This is very much a car that is either a first or second car for yeah. a lot of young young drivers. And when you think about that, well, probably 99% of the time they'll be plugging in their phone. Yeah. Um, that's utilize. why having CarPlay and Android Auto is so important. The fact that it's got it, you know, Absolutely. Across, the, across the range is good. But yeah. like you said, it's the safety stuff. So, you know, the adaptive cruise, the blind spot, the lane departure. Um, an AEB, all the real crucial stuff that you want, you know, as a parent or something. Recross traffic alert as well. Yeah. I just, uh, yeah. So it it's really comprehensive, and that's something which they've beefed up a little bit in this series in in the facelift by adding a couple of the, those features as standard. But hmm. um, when they released this generation um, a number of years ago, it them you know those vehicles even then had your radar cruise control and lane departure warning um which is just one of those i think it's really highlighting the you know the availability of this tech um and it also proves that perhaps um you know uh, the justification from other brands of why there's a significant price increase to justify the inclusion mm. of that tech maybe considering isn't. when you look at it something like the difference between a, a gl navigator and the plus which is uh sort of about three grand but you do get adaptive cruise you do get aeb you get yeah. lane departure you get the weaving alert you get blind spot and you get rick traffic so sort of for the extra three thousand um particularly if you can pick something up you know even if it's an x demo or something a little bit you know get a little bit off um it's a pretty well spec car for that sort of stuff considering everything else that comes as the base standard yeah um but the the fuel economy is pretty amazing as well it's 4.6 and sort of 4.8 they're saying between manual and auto what kind of economy did you get out of the one that you know Real world, I did about 800 kilometers, and that was a mixture of, um, you know, urban and metro driving, so city and highway. And um, I was smack on six liters. That's pretty good. um, Yeah. So to fill up a tank from um, the yellow light coming on all the way to full from Costco was $30 for 30 liters. (laughs) So that's pretty good. Yeah, and, and I was getting about 500 to 600 Ks, like sort of like yeah. that's your sort of range out of that. Yeah, it's, a good, they're, uh, it's underrated. It's one of those cars Absolutely. that kind of slips under the radar. I know yep. Suzuki are trying to do more with um, their advertising and stuff like that, but yeah. um, it's one of those things I think that really needs to, mm. you know, needs a little bit more of a, of a push in the, in the market. I get and, and did yours have 
paddle shifters as well. Yes, um, but it's just something that I think in that car you don't really need to to use if you want mm-hmm. to. The gearbox is really snappy. It's really quick for what it is. Okay. And so if for whatever reason um, you want to use the paddle shifters, it's, it's there for you to use. But um, I just found that the moving – Suzuki's decision to move away from the CVTs yeah. um, and – coming back to the auto transmission just improved the driving experience immensely in the Swift. Um, Previously, it just was not enjoyable and even the lack of turbo and i so that's where adding in the turbo into the to, to the mix as well as that six-speed automatic just changes um and improved that product immensely and it was just something that i know i'd spoken to a number of different journals about it and um and even other people who had owned previous Swifts and and looked at the new ones had, you know, they noted that that like they had actually listened to the feedback from from people who were able to give it, mm-hmm. and um, and it really shows. And like what you said, it is totally underrated. Um, you you don't realize that, you know, you can easily fit four tall people in that car. Yeah, no problems. Um, there's huge amounts of headroom. There's plenty of leg room, um, front and back. Boot space is very generous for what it is. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and even so, at the moment we've got a, a foster puppy from the the Air Force, so a, a puppy training to to be a um, you know like a a, a RAF puppy, um, sort of base defense and operations, all that sort of thing. And um, when we picked her up for the first for the first time on Friday and um, we had a, a, a crate and dog food and all sorts of other stuff that you, we get given as part of you know that that program and the, the the gentleman the officer who was sort of giving us the equipment said oh is it going to fit and I said yep no worries drop down the seats and bang we're able to fit everything in no problems um, which was just surprising you know it's 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 from the outside, it doesn't look like a terribly big car, but in terms of the footprint it takes up versus the amount of space you get in it is, um, yeah, it is one of the best in its class. And it is just for the, for the money, which you pay for them. I think, yeah, uh, it, it's kind of, it's, it's almost criminal that they don't sell in the volumes of which, you know, their competitors like the Toyotas and um, Mitsubishis and Mazdas and things sell in because they make a really great product with good servicing costs, excellent warranty support, plenty of dealers around. Um, yeah, it's just a it's, – it's an overall good car. The RACQ constantly name it or, you know, it's either a winner or a top runner when it comes to the most um, economical to own and run, um, including, you know, things like repairs as well. So it's it's just one of those things of it makes – it ticks a lot of boxes um, and – yeah, it's just people need to go have a look at it. It's it's mm. it has been a popular car for a long time, and it's been a staple. But I think it's just they deserve to be selling more. You know, they deserve to have more market share now than um, than they probably have at yeah. the moment. Yeah, but um, but I've just picked up today the the Jeep Gladiator. So in the Overland um, model, it was meant to be the Rubicon, but um, I'm not sure what sort of happened there. 
with that. But I wasn't really planning on going off-road with the Jeep Gladiator anyway, which is what the Rubicon is all about. Um, you do get things like the the locking diffs and uh, the off-roading cameras across, you know, all the different angles that give you that. But I, I see, I see the Jeep Gladiator as a as a lifestyle vehicle as a lifestyle utility um and so i see going to the beach a lot more and and Uh, you know especially up that way absolutely and you know and letting the land cruisers and pajeros and um hiluxes and and do all the off-roading stuff um but i you know it's always just something in the back of my mind i always see like the wranglers and gladiators are um you know you hook on the jet ski and you head to the water that kind of thing and um even just now it's like it's so so much fun to be able to just rip off um the front half of the the roof and and enjoy the sunshine and and the breeze that we had on the way home um, but I'm, I'll be looking forward to, to spending the next week in that and uh, getting to know that a little bit better. Yeah, I, I'm always interested to see what it's like driving around town as well. Um, uh, from though, when I'm another journo I know that had it, he I asked him what it was like, and he said, "Yeah, it's quite good with the camera systems and stuff in it." He said, it, "We found it very easy to to park in, you know, suburbia and things like that." Obviously, it's designed predominantly for off road, um, but yeah, I'm intrigued to see what it's like, um, you know, around yeah. town. It will it will take a little bit to to get used to. It is um, basically the length of a like a Ram or Silverado, um, yeah. but the width it is slightly narrower narrower than a um, you know a, a Hilux or anything like that. So it is really long but narrow, which makes it easier to keep within the lane. <laughs> um, but there is, you do have to be aware of what car yeah. spaces you're, you're getting into, particularly like this one has a, a tow bar and the tow bar extends even further past the already um, quite deep bumpers on the front and rear. Mm-hmm. And so it is just one of those things of you have to be conscious of, and you do have parking sensors and all that kind of thing as well to help out with that. Um, but it is just, I'll have to send through a photo, but um I, uh, it, it fills up an entire car space in length and then some. So it is, you just have to be conscious of where you park um, a little bit, um, particularly if you're in a city parking. I'll have to see how that goes with mm-hmm. if you're parking against a wall um, and seeing, you know, how much of that overhang um, occurs. But overall, in terms of width, and that's probably the, the, the sometimes when you're going through the city, that is the challenging part is managing the width of the car. And that is certainly something that they've done pretty well in keeping everything quite compact in that in that sense. And or at least that's my impression anyway, so far. Yeah, I'll be to see how you go after a week with it. Yeah. But, okay, let's jump into some motorsport. Um, I mentioned last week, but I'd be interested to see your thoughts on it, uh, Joel, with the, the announcing of the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix night race um, for next year. Um, Money talks, just- Ash. Money talks, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, you know, we all like to play the political game and like things to be done properly, and we know that there are issues with Saudi Arabia in some you know, political decisions and and laws and stuff like that. Um, look, it's a night race. If we put politics aside, night race is always good. Um, you know, I'm looking forward to watching, and we don't get Singapore this year, which was always good to watch. Um, 
yeah, look, I think it's it. You know, F1 will might cop some heat from this. Um, let's just see what people happens still next watch, year. Oh, of course, yeah, okay. exactly. There's a lot of people that don't care about it. I mean, a lot of people have been turned off with the politics that um, that F1 has brought in this year. With you know, there's been a lot of a lot of talk in, in forums or you know, keyboard warriors talking about the the hatred against F1 for what they've done this year, and you know. It's one of those. It's a polarizing thing. You get people that love that they're supporting it, and some that don't. So, um, at the end of the day, F one is a business, um, and you know, if other tracks can't cough up the money to to run, then um, you know, there are others that obviously have the money to run, and and hence why we're probably seeing um, Jeddah as being on the calendar next year um, as a night race. Um, yeah. It should be great to watch. And from a sport sports perspective and a driver's perspective, I think they're, you know, they'll all look forward to seeing it. But um, yeah. Where does, where, where does it fit within the calendar? Is it later in the year? Uh, November, they're talking. Yeah, so so because so they'll come they'll come back into the Middle East at the latter half at latter half of the year or the the last quarter of the year. I think they I think from uh, moving into yeah because we do sort of now we do Turkey, Bahrain, Bahrain, and then Abu Dhabi. Yeah. That's what I was trying to think of. That's the last uh, track of the year that um, is always good to watch. Um, I can't find in front of me at the moment the twenty twenty one schedule but my guess it'll be a similar sort of thing so they might do um so maybe sort of- so maybe lewis hamilton can wrap up the championship uh by then and uh because there's a lot a lot of people turning to lewis hamilton to mm. um you know either talk about it or you know potentially boycott the race and yeah you know maybe it'd be you know if he you know wraps up the championship early maybe a boycott would be an easy decision to do because yeah well, look it might be but then again i don't think it is from a from mercedes point of view i don't think i want to be because of the penalties and whatever else but unless they're going to then bring someone else in to drive for him um i suppose that you know it allows you to, to to do that, but yeah, um, it's still a long, still a long way off. Um, you know, as I said, so yeah, it is. It will be the second last Grand Prix of the year, so um, it'll be around twenty two and then twenty three mm-hmm. straight after they go to Abu Dhabi. So, um, so yeah, this time pro- next year, almost yeah. the day. Yeah, almost to to this to this to, to this date, as you said. So, um, yeah, so it should be interesting. I mean, if everything goes ahead with the calendar, then it's the traditional start in Australia, and then Bahrain, Shanghai, and then back into Europe, uh, across to Canada, uh, back to Europe uh, for a fair percentage, and then they hit on the road again. So we do Russia, Singapore, Japan, back across to the US. So we do North America and South America with the US, Mexico and Brazilian Grand Prix and then they come back from there across to Saudi Arabia and um, Abu Dhabi um, mm. yeah so uh, that's kind of where it is so yeah it's an interesting move um, it should be interesting to watch to see what flows from there and what people have to say closer to the time yeah. Absolutely. So, what about uh, supercars? So, we've already had a couple yeah. Of, so, know, there's been lots going, of, but lots going on. Um, lots of seat movements. Stuff like that. Um, we haven't talked about a lot. Uh, obviously, 
you know, that was the big news is uh, DJR, which we talked about with the, the shift yeah. there and Anton and Will coming in as being confirmed. Mm-hmm. BJR lost one of their wrecks when um, Tim Blanchard decided to take his and he's gone out on his own. No word is yet who he will run, but the current rumour is... Um, uh, oh, i got a mental blank. Um Uh, Tim Slade. I had Tim on my mind, and I was thinking something. I was thinking Tim, Tim Blanchard, but Tim, Tim and Tim. So yeah, Blanchard will probably run him. Um, but Brad Jones Racing has bought a fourth wreck to possibly run their other fourth driver. They've already confirmed Nick Percat, Todd Hazelwood, and Macaulay Jones. So they're possibly bringing in a fourth one, which maybe um is unknown. But that then means that. Um, Tickford now have to try and find possibly a wreck because they were releasing the wreck that... Um, and wreck is like the racing entitlement. Yeah, entitlement contract that. enables yep. you to actually field a team. Yep. Matt Stone Racing, we're talking about maybe going to three cars, so there was talk of another possibly wreck going there. Triple um, 8's unchanged with Winkup and Shane. Van Gisbergen, Walkinshaw, I've got Chaz and Bryce at this stage. But the big question at the moment that everyone has been talking about of late is um, our friends at at Erebus. Uh, Will Brown has stepped up, as we knew, um, with Anton's departure, but David Reynolds is still not confirmed. They're saying possibly it may change. Um, there's talk that he's not happy. He may want to break his 10-year contract and go somewhere else. I don't know where he'd go. Um, Kelly Racing has obviously dropped with um, to possibly two cars with Andre and someone to replace Rick Kelly, who has um, hung up the helmet. So there's interesting movements there. Team Sydney haven't confirmed, but they're hoping to obviously um, can keep their current drivers. Uh, Team 18 is still strong with Winterbottom and Pi. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, it's been an interesting sort of silly season in, in that respect with some of the movements of the rec stuff and, and things like that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it should be interesting to see what comes when we uh, we'll kick off. The other thing is the Adelaide 500. We talked about, um, I did read recently that... Um, they, it won't probably be back. It's not happening next year, but maybe the year after or the year after that, if the current government loses the election, the opposition has said that they will bring it back mm-hmm. and supercars have already been in talks with them. So that makes for interesting reading in terms of what's happening there. Yeah. So, um, yeah, there's sort of a bit happening in that respect. Mm-hmm. And what about TCR? We've got so yeah, we had uh, we haven't really had a season this year, unfortunately. Yeah. TCR kind of got um, put on the back burner, which is a shame. But it's good to see Honda have con- committed to supporting um, a team uh, a team again um, with Alberto running at Wall Racing. Um, Tony. Um, you know, they released came out this week. So Tony will be busy again with, with them, which is great to see. Um, they'll kick off next year at Simmons in Tassie um, at the end of January and then head to um, stay in Tassie for a couple of weeks and then head to Baskerville in the south of the state. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty cool for Tasmanians to be able to see that. Um, if they were actually probably a little bit closer, I'd probably be very tempted to, to, to head across and, <laughs> and watch Simmons as my old sort of home track and Baskerville's yeah. pretty cool as well, just on the outskirts of Hobart. Um 
So that was good news. Uh, John Martin has also been confirmed as another driver racing in the Honda, uh, which is cool to see. Um, and then obviously the other thing is is that came out is Caruso. Michael Caruso has continued his contract with GM, GRM and, and the Alfa and Valvoline has rolled over into um, into next year. So uh, that's mm. good to see that that's happening as well. So I think there's lots happening with TCR. Um in terms of what's going on, I think it'll be exciting to watch next year. They've got a really interesting um, calendar. Uh, I think I read something today briefly. I haven't had a chance to to look at it further, but there was talk that they're going to do, here it is, uh, two and four wheels together. So they're going to run Australian All-Wheel Race Fest in Feb, um, and it's going to have Motorsport Australia and Motorcycling Australia running, conducting an event together on the 19th to the 22nd, 21st of February, sorry, um, and they're going to be running a combination of um, Superbike Championship and a TCR race. So that's uh, that's pretty cool for, for motorsport fans to be able to, to watch that. Um, and as I said before, yeah, Wall has confirmed that John Martin will partner um, with TD um, at uh, Wall Racing next year for two Hondas, which is pretty cool. Um, the calendar for next year... Is it schedule? So they're doing Simmons. Uh, yes, yeah, so Simmons, and then they're going to do Baskerville, um, Phillip Island, which is going to be that late February round, and then Mount Panorama for the at the um, eight-hour enduro at the Bathurst in early April, back to Sydney at the end of April, Morgan Park in June, and then Sandown in September. So um, it should be an interesting, uh, interesting to watch. Um, uh, next Absolutely. year, and especially with those names being involved, yes, yeah, and then obviously, we're also going to see S5000 running around as well, and, and yeah. things like that. So, yeah, hopefully, um, if Australia stays the way it is, and our you know, the number of cases that we have, which is almost virtually non existent except for yeah. those that are coming in from internationally, yeah. um, <laughs> we should be able to get more and more people hopefully at, at events next year, and we mm-hmm. should see more you know, be able to see a full season of TCR and a few of the other championships as well. Mm. And even um, E-TCR, the electric um, uh, sort of branch of that um, sort of category is see- seemingly uh, heating up quite nice. There's a, uh, the, the Alfa Romeo Julia E-TCR just looks absolutely stunning, doesn't it? Yeah, it's fantastic. This was announced during the week, um, and uh, I'm on the E-TCR, or they're calling it Pure TCR, E-TCR, kind of different different set of names. Um, But, yeah, this press release came through during the week, and I was aware that um, Hyundai have obviously been fairly busy with what they've been doing with their car, but this is the, the third... Um, one to be built alongside the Cupra, um, which is um, and called the E-Racer. So, yeah, this is good to see. 500 kilowatts of peak power, the equivalent of 670 brake horsepower. Looks fantastic. Um, obviously, you know, TCR, the beauty with these cars is they retain the, the general road-going um, yeah. look, um, and it just looks like a super aggressive um uh, you know, r- road going car. Interesting that the grill has been changed ever so slightly uh, at the front, and um, it seems to be sort of filled in, um, which is a slightly different, different design. But yeah, the, these guys are pushing hard next year. They're going to run a, their first season next year, which will have four. 
events in Europe and two overseas. Mm. Um, so this should be very interesting to watch just with how these... Uh, I've seen a little bit of footage of the Hyundai running around and it just sounds mm. you know, mega. And that's a Veloster, isn't it? A Veloster and um, electric, I think. Yes, they've built a couple of versions. Yeah, yeah the Veloster N is the one they built. I think there was a slightly different one that they built in the US as a concept. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's got um, Williams Advanced Engineering battery system, um, and yeah, DC to DC converters built by Brightloop. So mm. it, yeah, it should be an interesting, interesting thing to watch. Um, and I think we'll probably see. You know, could we see that we that eventually they might come here, and we might see a, you know two classes, um, you know the ETCR and the normal TCR. But um, yeah, it's exciting stuff with more of this electric racing really starting to take off. Absolutely. And um, yeah, it's kind of, it's great to see the, the news continuing, um, even though we're somewhat in, a, in, in the off season, isn't it? With the exception of Formula One um, and MotoGP that, you know, we've got particularly with the, the stuff heating up for, for our local series again, following this, you know, this tough year. But um, I'm sure the, I'm sure that everybody else involved in the teams are, hopefully enjoying a little bit of downtime before they start diving into next year's cars. Um, but yeah, it's uh, I'm sure a lot of people are already kicking and raring to go for, for next year's season. Yeah, exactly. All right. So let's jump into some local news. And um, for me, it kind of came out quietly and then um, unfortunately, even though the, the political, response has been fairly negative um but other states including new south wales and victoria now the late victoria is the latest one to join in on um the fun um on the idea of that um and and i and i mentioned it last week of the idea of because electric vehicles don't use fuel unleaded fuel um or, or diesel or whatever um and they're not contributing to the fuel excise that's charged, which is about 42 and a half cents, um, that missed revenue has to be made up somewhere. And the latest uh, proposal from Victorian government is to charge two and a half cents for full electric vehicles for every kilometre that's driven in a year and two cents for every kilometre driven by a hybrid. And um, the FCAI have obviously come out um, fairly hard as well and saying that essentially, you know, the Victorian government is the latest one to, to, to essentially kill EV use. Um, I'm kind of on the side of I, I tend to agree and, um, and it's not because I don't think that um, money for road infrastructure should necessarily you know that that has to come from somewhere, um, and it's just depending, and it's essentially determining how that comes about. Obviously, if you drive a more, um, let's just say, not so economical car in terms of fuel usage, you contribute more to the to the roads than say someone with a more efficient vehicle. But um, probably, perhaps, it's probably not the best way to. Um, uh, encourage the purchase of electric vehicles for the sake of saving the environment when you know you, you're putting you're bringing a t fairly typically hidden cost of ownership um, to the forefront like what you would do every time you pay your rego um, 
But yeah, what are you, what are your thoughts on it as a Victorian when you're seeing, uh, yeah, look, seeing this article? It's it's interesting. Actually, it, it came across my um, the press release came across, and obviously we talked. You talked about it before that South Australia and then New South Wales and Victoria. We've all kind of seen that flow and effect over the last sort of week um, of all these announcements coming out. So. Look, I haven't looked enough into it to admit, to to be honest, to, to how they're going to do it. We talked about it briefly before the show and, and the way that they're saying it. And I think the way they're possibly talking about it, about doing this logbook system and taxing people is is not a, not a good way to do it. There needs to be a – it needs to be done properly. Um I don't know what that is. I don't have an answer for that. Mm. Um, I understand it. Yeah, sure. That, um, but what annoyed me more, I think, than anything else was that from what I read, and I honestly don't know whether it's 100% correct, but if it, if it is, that they're saying And there's a lot that- of articles with not a lot of good research out there and and that's sort of, I think, confusing it a little yeah, bit. but the well. problem is, is if the government's going to tax people for it and they're not going to use the money to return it into building better infrastructure, then what's the point? Like, you know, if they're going to do this, they need to build better infrastructure. They need to be paying for, you know, it's a double-edged sword. If if you're not going to support people, um, to drive electric cars and then you're going to make it harder and you're not even going to help build um, infrastructure, then why so just would charging you... outlets? Yeah, char- like charging. charging. I mean, yeah. the guys from ChargeFox are doing, are doing a, as, as an example, are doing a brilliant job with what they're creating um, with their systems because um, they are such a great system and we, we sort of need more of this. Um, you know, they could be doing it around council areas and public libraries and things like that. Um, we really need to see more of this uh, happening because we need to support this moving forward because as we're seeing, um, and there was another article I read during the week, which is an offshoot of this, is that as more of these countries around the world, you know, we've seen what America's doing. We're talking about becoming more EV friendly or predominantly doing away with petrol. The UK and Europe are doing the same thing and we're banning the 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 sale of petrol and diesel cars and purely only having electric, we're going to become a dumping ground for um, electric, uh, for petrol cars yeah. because people will want to, you know, companies will want to sell them, which is great. If, if that's the way that it is, we mean, we means we're going to have more, you know, options of cars. We're going to have, we're, hopefully that means that we won't go down this route straight away uh, and that the petrol car will continue and obviously you know i understand the issues with diesel and that it has been a dirty word overseas with the with the cheating scandals and stuff like that but there's still a lot of them out there that you know they're good for for you know i understand it's not good for the environment but but it's good for economy and things Mm -hmm. like that but we need to support this electric infrastructure you know Uh, i hate to use it as an example but it's a way for the mainstream people to understand it but the block tv show when they're building these houses they're now talking about putting in solar they're talking about putting tesla batteries in and stuff like this what's the point of people going down this making their houses more cost effective by being able to charge from solar, save themselves money, not having to buy petrol, being able to use the sun to power their cars, to power their houses, having the the, the power wall to be able to have um, the battery to, to, to literally pay, pay for the car and they don't have to pay for petrol. But if they're then going to be stung by the government for having this, certainly they should be able to get something in return by having these charging infrastructures and, and whatever else, you know, are, are we going to then allow, if you're charging at home and then charging off the grid, um, you know, then you're helping to keep 
um, you know, CO2 emissions and whatever else down, shouldn't yeah. you then be rewarded in that respect and not be punished because you're yeah. driving an electric vehicle? I understand we need still need to pay for the roads, but, it, you know, as we discussed off air before we started, uh, you know, do it, be it that maybe you have to pay more for your rego or whatever. I know that's probably not the best solution, but uh, before they go down and make these knee-jerk decisions, I think there needs to be some people, and that's why it's great to have the FCAI involved and they're fighting for car owners and that mm -hmm. sort of stuff, that it needs to have this discussion yeah. Yeah. to make it sure that it works for everyone mm -hmm. and not it's not just around the government trying to make money. Yeah, because we do know that, and anybody that's looked at an electric vehicle or a hybrid, that you do pay a still a fairly significant premium on... We have some of the most expensive um, electric cars in the world. Yeah, you know? and then when you compare the equivalent model, so I think the, the Hyundai Ioniq is a great example because they give you three different versions to choose from, um, a mild hybrid, a plug-in hybrid, and a full electric. And even between those models, there is a big price jump between each one. And this is what has also been made as the counter-argument is that, well, for every thousand dollars that has been spent most of these cars over seventy thousand so even like you know uh oh, there's a there's a huge let, let's say tesla models um they're already paying luxury car tax but because also it's an electric vehicle that tends to be more expensive than if if it were to be like say an internal combustion vehicle um they're paying a, a high proportion of gst stamp duty um so there's got to be some give somewhere and you know where it kind of seems counterintuitive when the same government is the one that said they're giving a hundred dollar discount on the registration cost to encourage ev purchases and then now it's going to be stung back the other way yeah um of going well huh, you bought the car that's great but because if but if you want to drive it well you know and you've already made that investment now. Well, we're going to bring this in. And um, some of the articles were saying that you, know, if if you drive the the fifteen thousand kilometers, you know that's going to add up to about three hundred and seventy five dollars each year. Um, you know, on top of your registration costs. Now, yes, it does still bring your day to day running costs lower than a typical petrol or diesel car, but you know, like what we saw at the very beginning with the, like, say, the Toyota Camry Hybrid, when that first came out, you had to do something like 300,000 kilometers within seven years to even come back mm. to parity on the fuel savings of the non-hybrid version at that point in time. And so the overall purchase price unbalance at the moment that still very much exists is kind of like a, I don't know, it just doesn't make any sense. And I understand that that money has to come from somewhere. But, um, you know, people pay the cost of petrol and complain about it all the time, but they just yeah. accept it. And, but that's also like you don't get a breakdown on your receipt. Like we get told how much GST you pay, how much, um, you know, other. Uh, if you paid shipping, like everybody breaks, loves to break down the cost, even like the merchant fee. Yeah. Oh, here's your 1.5% for using a credit card. But they don't break out maybe maybe to help ease in this, this cost, maybe in the receipt, what they should be doing is going, well, you bought 100 litres of petrol. Like, like let, let's say you're, you're topping up the Land Cruiser and 42 and a half cents of every litre of that 100 litres you put in is going 
to the government for your road for the road maintenance and building of roads um you know to help people be more aware of that how much they're paying at the bowser isn't just going to the petrol company Mm. but right now particularly with fuel prices where they are a significant portion of it is going to the government to, to pay for the roads um so yeah, I think it's it it has to happen, and I understand the reasoning for it, but it's just not good enough. Um, the way that they're coming up with this, because it seems like it's just an old, uh, you know, it's like it's an old problem, and they're addressing a new. Uh, it's like a, it's a, it's a new sorry it's a, it's a new problem, and they're coming up with an old solution to try and address it. Yeah. So it's just uh, I don't know. It needs a better way than just trying mm. to come out and, and say, well, and, this, and this is honest, what we're going to do. I don't know what the better answer is. I don't know no, how I don't know either, but it that. just need, it needs to have more conversation before you blatantly say, yeah. oh, we're gonna, you're going to have to do a logbook or you're going to have to do this, Absolutely. you know. Um, yeah. Because it, what are you going to do? Are you going to submit it online and then have all sorts of problems because people can't scan in a logbook yeah. to prove that they drove that kilometres or uh-huh. um, are you going to have people line up at the Department of Transport to, to show the logbooks yeah. like what truck drivers have to do? Like, how is that going to work from yeah. even a practical point of view? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I, I just – there's got to be a better way – I understand it's not, you know, the the argument for these things to be here are, are absolutely not um, unfounded, but yeah, there's there's got to be a better way. There's got to be some sort of return, and not like what you said. They're not coming in and saying, but this also will help, you know, incentivize or, or become, you know, and help fund greater charging infrastructure, or, you know, we're going to then mandate that petrol stations have to have, you know, a minimum number of for every Bowser or every two or every six Bowsers they have to have one or two charging stations mm. or something, you know, that goes along with it. And um, so there's really, it's just because at the moment, even if you were to have like, I'm finding every time I drive an electric vehicle or plug-in hybrid that it is growing harder and harder to, to and it's becoming a bigger gamble every time I go to charge the vehicle because yeah. the, like particularly from where I am, the number of charging stations isn't growing at a fast rate. I still have to travel 30 minutes to get to a, a, a proper charger, um, not just a like a three kilowatt, you know, might as well plug it in, a, in the wall kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and in that 30 minutes of travel time, three other people could have turned up yeah, and then gone to do the shopping, and I'm waiting. You know, an hour. And but you're a half, also you're also eating through your, you know, your current usage to be able to get to somewhere to then you know Absolutely. if you're sitting in traffic or whatever else. You know, and 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 I just can't help but feel for brands like MG who are bringing in you know their EV at a killer price point. Yeah, I mean and, it's the cheapest EV in in Australia. Yeah, you know, at just over forty thousand dollars, and then you know people who are getting into that 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 price point to go to and, and making a conscious decision to, you know, purchase a vehicle that's more environmentally environmentally friendly. You know, on the consumer side, well kind of a punch in the gut to then turn around and potentially say you know from july 1 2021 well if you want to keep using that vehicle yeah. you're gonna to have to do all these things and pay all these extra fees yeah uh to go along with it 
So, yeah. <laughs> Got to be a better way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> and I'm just getting more and more nervous every time I'm seeing uh, another state sort of jump in on... Mm. Yeah, and, and, and join the just because one has said it, everyone else thinks it's okay to yeah. sort of come in and ride that bandwagon. Yeah, um, it's just not working. Yeah. But one thing that's just not cool is if you haven't replaced your Takata airbag. I still um, can't believe we still, this conversation is still happening. I know. Um, that there is still cars out there. I know that. Um, uh, that they still they were trying to start deregistering cars, yep. um, and but there's still people out there that you know that, that haven't had it done. Um, obviously, the the education of it is not you know is not getting through, or they've lost the contact details of people and cars have changed hands, and so it makes it very hard in that respect. But yep. yeah, um, yeah, I'm kind of really surprised that there is still so many cars out here that they they keep having to to go onto this. So have they have they used the vehicle registration information just to stop people, or I don't because I know that they've been talking about deregistering vehicles for a long time, but. I'm not too sure why that hasn't sort of they haven't followed through with that. Yeah, no, it's weird. Because I th- I would have thought that would just be you know the the best way to go about it. Mm. Um, but I did see a, a video article. Now I know that a current affair isn't the best <laughs> source of you know information, but it was interesting. They they did talk to a number of people, um, and I can sort of understand their position because you know particularly such as owners of E46 BMW 3 Series, um, particularly the very early ones, 1998 to to 2000. You know the vehicles aren't worth a lot. You know they're only worth a couple of thousand dollars yeah and um you know the cost of doing the the repair for those airbags is quite significant and so bmw are buying them back and taking those vehicles off them and they're not obviously getting an, a huge chunk of money some of these people bought their car 20 years ago mm. and have driven and them honda were doing the same thing as well with the, yeah. the covs and stuff like that i actually yeah. happened to see um a truck full of them heading off to one of the the holding yards um you know for them to to be disassembled and yeah. the airbags destroyed yeah. and stuff and it's sad because they you know for those people that had those cars and they probably had them for a long long period of time to sort of lose that thing if they're still the car is still perfectly fine mechanically. It just needs obviously the airbag, but it's not worth the cost to to, re- to replace no. them. So and and obviously the replacement cost for the vehicle is you know like sure you could probably walk out and buy another two or three thousand dollar car, but you know it's not necessarily a you know you might not want to be buying another two or three thousand no. dollar car because the two thousand two to three thousand dollar car that you're buying you don't know what the history is um, like and whatever. So exactly. Uh, so, like, I do feel for some of these people. One gentleman um, removed the, actually took the airbag out of his, out of his vehicle and is just driving without the airbag in at all. Um, and that's sort of one creative solution to do that. But obviously, it's still not safe to to not have an airbag in there at all. Um, but yeah, I think it's uh, like I feel for those people, but at the same time. Given that some of these airbags, you know, have like a 25% chance of them going off unexpectedly for no reason and killing you um, or having that potentially result in in death, I I wouldn't feel comfortable driving a vehicle that, you know, is is susceptible to that. Yeah, exactly. Particularly in our humidity, like, you know, 
particularly up here in Queensland in particular, the, the humid environment is what causes these to break down faster. Mm. Um, and so it's just, uh, yeah, I, 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 I wouldn't be waiting. Just go no. and do it, particularly before, you know, we're heading into, you know, we had another 34-degree weather, 34-degree uh, day today, um, you know, and it's just as humid and I wouldn't be waiting uh, if I had one of these vehicles. So jump on the website. Yeah. Um, the best that the website is, uh, is my airbag safe? dot com dot au and um you can check your vehicle registration or vin number uh in there or um if you text takata t-a-k-a-t-a to 0487-247-224 and follow those instructions but if your car is unregistered, um, you can also contact the manufacturer and um, they'll be able to tell you if your car needs a recall or it doesn't. Um, but don't hesitate. Even if you don't think you're affected, just drop, you know, I, I did it for all the vehicles that we have and, you know, it's just better to check um, and, and be safe. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Uh, one thing that's a bit exciting is, um, you know, sort of talking about it a little bit. We've had a couple of leaks here and there, but the uh, Subaru BRZ um, has been unveiled, and um, I think it, I think it looks pretty good. I think on on some angles, it doesn't. I'm not fully sold. Yeah, it's on a others. weird one to see. Like the, the you look at the images, and it's got a really interesting look to it, and it, it, yeah. it it's it, you can obviously see that it's a you know, that it's a generation change and that it still yes. looks like a BAZ, but it's got some interesting new lines and stuff like that. I can't wait to see it in the middle, like any of these, yeah. most of these cars now. You've got to really see it in person to to really get a feel of what it, mm. what it looks like. But, um, yeah, I like it. I think it, um, particularly at the rear end, it's a very different look. The front end, um, you know, it's, it's got a more, it's definitely a more modern, sharper lines look. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm intrigued. Uh, I can't wait to see them uh, they'll land here and how are yeah. they going to sell and obviously, you know, we've seen um, uh, we've seen Subaru's BRZ. Is the uh, FT86 going to be any different? You know, how how will it, how will it look? Um, the bigger engine too, which is nice. The 2.4 liter, um, you know, is good to see. And yeah, we're going to have an uh, auto as well. Um, so yeah, I think um, you yeah, know, 2.4 liter boxer engine. Yeah. Um, no confirm. Yet Subaru Oz has yeah, yet to confirm a launch date, so yeah. um, it'll be interesting to see. I wonder if they'll do another online, um, you know, sale pre-sale thing I like they, they did. Will. Yeah, um, but you do get a, a larger. So this is just relevant to the Subaru, by the way, because Toyota will sort of be doing their own um, interpretation. But in the Subaru, you've got a seven-inch TFT screen, um, which is part of your gauge cluster. So it's a nice digital display. But you also have an eight-inch multimedia infotainment uh, system, which has your standard sort of smartphone stuff. So Apple CarPlay, Android Auto, um, which is great. You've got better safety features. Um, you've got a six-speed automatic transmission. Um yeah, so yeah, 170 kilowatts of power, um, rear wheel drive, of course. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I enjoyed the drive I had of the previous Gen One. Yeah, um, 
and I've driven both that and the FT86 and didn't really... And it is it. confirmed for Australia, by the way. Yeah. That's the, the, yeah, which is were, good. The, there was talk of it being a, a US-only car. Yeah, it's great that Subaru Aussie is going to bring it here and the fact that they're first to announce it <laughs> over Toyota as well. But, um, yeah, I, I can't wait to, to have a steer and actually see it in person when we uh, can actually see them in the middle. Absolutely. Okay, so Toyota, uh, not Toyota, Hyundai, <laughs> Hyundai uh, venue, um, that compact, uh, I don't know what you call it. It's not, it's, they call it a compact SUV. It's an but entry it's really point SUV, compact. It? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. It, it's a, it is what, it is what, it is. It is a. It's a compact SUV. Not a, yeah. you know, to say that it's a smaller version of a, you know, more mid-range SUV. Yeah, but um, but anyway, so it. When I drove it, I actually quite enjoyed it. I, the styling for the particular model that I had, I wasn't really sold on. It was like that denim, um, model, but overall the car itself was actually not too bad. Um, but so three models are returning. Um, so you've got the the venue, the venue active, and the venue elite, and um, starts with 15 inch alloy wheels, wireless, wireless Apple CarPlay and Android Auto. I think that's which a is not great bad thing. for the active, yeah, absolutely. Um, now this is just the venue, the entry model. Um, so it's not even the middle. So the venue active is the middle one. Oh, venue yeah, elite. it has both. It's weird that they haven't put the. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I think they're just showing that across the board that it's yep. in it. So yeah, so you get a um, heated door mirrors and cloth seats in the in the entry level. Stepping up into the active, so this is a um, a, a pricing jump of a couple thousand dollars, um, both across the manual and the automatic. You go to um, premium seat bolsters and larger alloy wheels, um, and then in the venue elite, which is another two thousand dollars again, which only has um, an automatic option, you pick up a sunroof and your smart key with the push button start. And still good pricing, like just split, yeah. spread between 20000 and 26, yeah. um for the three models with a 1.6 litre MPI engine. Um, your only option is obviously metallic paint, which is four ninety five. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I still haven't driven one of these. I'm really keen to yeah. to get behind the wheel and, and drive them. It um, actually reminds me a lot of a slightly bigger version of like a Suzuki Swift, or even yeah. if you think back a little bit of like the Kia Soul. Yeah, um, it's very very Soul um, ish feel, but a more sporty design look. Yeah. So, um, but it is a, a bit more boxier. So you do mm. that. You do get that. You do or like you do pick that up in terms of your um, cabin space for your passengers mm. and your storage and your luggage. Um, so that's probably like you know compared to any other SUV where you do lose that. Um, that's where you definitely pick it up in this. And um, I do yeah. like the colours that they're showing it off. Yeah, that that, that, that colour in that image is, is quite nice. It's that grey with that yellow trim. So yeah, um, and I know it's got roof rails on it as well. So um, obviously you can put possibly put a roof rack and put a bike or something on the roof if you want as well. So or even a, a pod. Yeah. Yeah, or a pot as well, offer a bit more space. Yeah, (laughs) I'm very keen to um, to drive this. I think it needs. I need to add it to the list of stuff that I need to sort of follow up um, and check out. So the update will be arriving in early December. Um, So not too long ago. Not too long away. Now being dealerships uh, very soon. Yeah. So, but again, you know, when it comes to these cars. 
not a lot of styling changes. So if you are hunting for a car um, and, you know, just be aware of which one that you're, you know, what you're looking at um, and, and see what's important to you. Wireless CarPlay might be an important thing. It might not. Um, but, yeah, just don't get confused over which model is which, particularly when there's not a lot of styling differences between the two. And um, to know which one you should be getting the better better discount on. <laughs> yeah. It's worth remembering. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so dealership world, um, Sangyong. So they've been a little bit quieter. I haven't seen as many on the roads, but they seem to be bolstering their um, their dealer network. So they've they've just hit their um, their fiftieth dealership in what seems to be only about two years. So that's that's pretty quick to to build a mm. network like that. I think their biggest advantage for them, um, and I know that two dealerships that have that they've been uh, have, that have capitalised on this as a result is the basically changing all the disappearance of Holden yeah. um, has meant that uh, more dealerships. I know that there's two dealerships in Victoria um, that ha- uh, have become you know Sungyong for them have have. Uh, come from them not having Holden anymore. Um, yeah. And, yeah, that's just one of them. So if you look at it from a Victorian point of view, it's quite wide um, catchment because obviously you've got, you know, you've got Ballarat, you've got um, sort of Hoppers, Bandura, Lilydale, St Kilda, uh, not St Kilda, Brighton, Dandenong and then Frankston. So it's it's kind of quite widespread So in that respect. And there's also one in Warrnambool um, down in the regional area. And then you expand out um, and there's more in the north, like near the border. Um, there's even one in Eden um, and there's one in Bansdale. So, like, it's quite um, sparse. And then, you you know, head up the coast, it's quite thick. There's one in Canberra. There's one in Wagga. Um, there's quite a few around um, sort of Metro Sydney, um, out towards Penrith, um, down towards Wollongong. Um, there's one on the southern beaches. There's one on the northern beaches over towards Gosford, Newcastle. So, yeah, they're really popping up in a lot of different areas and particularly the the range of models that they have now as well, um, it kind of works for that regional area. Like, you know, people are liking the idea of having that that SUV. Um, I've seen quite a few, I think I've seen more more Rexton's than I have Corando's on the road. Um, I've driven a Corando and I really liked it, really impressed with the interior on it. Um, I haven't driven a Rexton. I've crawled over a Rexton. My brother-in-law was considering one at one stage um, and was really impressed with the amount of space and stuff and and how good they look. Um, I'd be keen to see what the Musso's like, but you look at it, you you know, you've got two SUVs and a dual cab ute. Uh, it kind of works for those outside of, you know, your, your regional um, or your, your, your metro areas into more regional stuff. So, yeah, I can see why they're, they're, they're kind of popping up and they're now at 50. So, Yeah, so I think it's, uh, it, it's always great um, for building confidence in a brand when you do have that, that network there. Um, and providing options for for servicing as well from a factory point of view. I know that um, a few other brands have struggled with that. Like even Volvo, for example, they make great cars and there's still plenty on the road, but there's only one dealership in Brisbane now. Um, and so that when it comes to servicing, you have to you have no choice but to come into the city. And um, 
you know, so it's really important for brands to build a strong dealership network to just give servicing options. Mm. Um, yeah, because- that's the thing is you don't want to be too sort of too sort of far from a dealer, but you look at the expanded sort of area and stuff and where they are, yeah. um, you know, some of the out, out more outlining areas. So, you know, you look at um, up your way, Ash, there's one sort of in – Lismore, and then yeah. you go into south of Coolangatta, Springwood, Brisbane. Um, where's the one on the northern side up towards Redcliffe? You know, so, you know, there's one on the Sunshine Coast, there's one in Gympie, um, Bundaberg, Gladstone. So, yeah, look, you know, for some areas, you know, if you're going to be outside of those, you may not buy one. Yeah. Um, but there's one in Townsville, there's one in Cairns. So, you know, I, I think you've got the ability if people are living in those catchment areas and they still want to go and have that adventure life, they mm. still can do it out of those areas. Um, and you're going to be not too far from a dealer. It's only one, one in Adelaide. There's a lot in WA, which is interesting. There's one in Albany. Yeah. Um, well, I've known a couple of people or um, a group of people, I should say, who when they came in from overseas a, a couple of years ago, they bought a Sangyong and then drove it from WA to Brisbane <laughs> and, and said it never missed a beat. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I don't know what it is about WA, but they love them. Over there, but yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's it's good to see. Um, it's I haven't had the chance to drive on. I'll be honest, for a very long time now. So I'll be curious to see how those cars are. Yeah, I'd be interested to see what you think um, of them. As I said, I was impressed with the fit out and everything in them, and how nice they were to drive and and the look of them. So um, yeah, it's quite quite impressive. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, GR Yaris, um, we've spoken about it quite a bit over the last couple of months and, um, yeah, the first, basically the first year of, um, stock is completely sold out, um, with the special edition GR Yaris Rally E still on track, um, for it to come in the first half. So pricing and ordering details of that to come later. Um, but we're still, you know, expecting a bit of a premium on that, um, over the, the standard $40,000 oh, $50, price tag of the GR Yaris. Um, but yeah, it's pretty impressive that they, uh, Toyota sold a thousand vehicles at the $40,000 mark and a further hundred. And they're already being delivered as well. I know a couple of guys that have got theirs already. And um, from the time from when they were ordered to, to when they were delivered, it's pretty impressive, you know, for, for what Toyota have done with that. I had my first look inside one the other day, just briefly. um, And the fit outs really nice on the inside. Mm. They they Mm. look fantastic. Um, They're a pretty cool car. So I don't know whether Toyota, I don't think Toyota will probably put one on their press fleet. Um, Hopefully they might do it yeah. some stage and we can both get a drive. So. But um, it just depends on, you know, how many dealers are scrambling for yeah. for cars. I think that would be the – that's usually the biggest stumbling block when it comes to yeah. to doing that. But they are trying to, to negotiate further supply of the vehicles, um, potentially arriving in the second half of 2021. Um, so who knows if they want to sell more cars, if they – Get them, mm. particularly at that. I think they're world, worldwide. They're pretty popular. There's been a few yeah. popular reviews overseas talking about, yeah. and so I think they'll sell everyone they can get, which is which is good. Um, Some and interesting also- reviews have come out. Some have not been totally positive. Others have been, and it's interesting looking at the differences of those in terms of the spec of which they're driving. But the thing is, is that we haven't had a chance to drive them down here. I haven't gone to a dealer and sort one out yet. I probably should, 
But um, I haven't had the best experience with the with Toyota dealers and going in and trying to drive a popular model. So I usually mm-hmm. just wait for the for the press yeah. vehicle to, to come. It's, desi- it's designed to be driven by journos and, and you know, they're, they're put on the press fleet for a reason. So yeah. probably much easier more to, to allow than poor dealers having everyone that wants to walk in and test drive it, even though they're not going to buy one. So That's right. But, um, but yeah, so it's a... Uh... <laughs> Go from one um, exciting car to another, um, but this time the GT Black Series, the AMG GT from Mercedes, um, sets a blistering time of six minutes forty three seconds on um, the the Nurburgring, the Nordschleife. Um, how do these companies? keep getting this time down mm. um they're building cars for this reason and they're really pushing to do the thing you know the it was run on michelin pilot sport cup two tires which are a pretty soft compound so it's effectively almost a, a race car but it was driven by someone that's not obviously slow by gt3 racer maro engel um, people remember maro actually ran at the 12 hour a couple of times and, and was doing some um uh, he's a good good steerer, so obviously you know someone's pretty quick behind the wheel of, of something like that. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, I think it's one of those things that they're all really trying to to beat it because it's one of those you know scoreboard things that people uh, or brands like to have as a thing in their. Um, bragging rights, you know. That yeah, got it's the a feather fastest. in the cap when it comes yeah, to selling. Yeah, very cars. much so. Yeah, so it's, it's um, interesting watching the video. It was done either very early one morning or very late in the day because the sun is just above the hilltop. So yeah. obviously probably at probably when it maybe when it was at its coolest, I reckon it was probably down in the morning because there looks to be a little bit of moisture on the track. But yeah. um, Maro is certainly giving it a, a good run. But, um, yeah. It's, it's certainly uh, a drive that needs commitment. Oh, it? yeah. <laughs> and I reckon he's done a few laps uh, around the track over time as well. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it's yeah. impressive, impressive stuff. Even watching when run through the carousel is drive car as well. It's yeah. unlike the 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 Huracan that set its records, which were mm. all wheel drive. But you got to um, remember that he's doing a time of six minutes forty three seconds, right? And the Porsche nine one nine hybrid has a time of five nineteen. So mm. it just shows that how close. You know, sure, it's you know, it's roughly a minute and a bit off, but over something over twenty over or twenty k's, yeah, it just shows how quick these road cars are becoming now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, they're a very expensive car. Um, so probably most people listening are probably not in the market. Um, but if you are, um, yeah, you can say that, and you do end up purchasing one. Well, you've got the fastest car around the Nurburgring for now. Yeah, for now, and who who will uh, who'll take it next? That's right. Okay, uh, probably going in the total opposite direction of um, setting Nurburgring lap times is the Toyota Mirai. Um, it is a hydrogen um, fuel cell EV car, um, and. Yeah, so this is an updated car from what was, I believe, a Japan, Japan, oh, sorry, a Japanese market-only vehicle, um, but is rolling out with uh, twenty examples going to um, some government 
organizations, I believe, from what I can see, business select yeah. business and government fleets for the first quarter of 2021. Um, but I think the then future plan is to allow private buyers the opportunity. Um, this is one of, you know, a couple of models now that are in Australia. There is a Hyundai EV as well, um, which is which has which or which utilizes a hydrogen fuel cell as well. But um, but I think some of them, like the one the the twenty of those Hyundai models in Canberra, are currently in a shed because the hydrogen refueling facility isn't ready yet. <laughs> um, so it's uh, I think uh, I wonder how long these will will wait until hopefully by the first you know. Start of next year, there'll be some fueling options. Well, it, um, to sorry, Toyota event. is building a hydrogen center at their Atona uh, Center for Excellence site at the moment. So um, they're going to have one there that is designed to, to work. And so I think um, you'll probably see that once they get the other systems up and running, um, the, excuse me, that I think councils in probably both those states will be running them. I know that. Um, yeah, Toyota have done some stuff locally with the the previous Gen Mirai, um, and had uh, local councils in the area using them to to run around and and to be based out of that sort of area. Um, mm. But yeah, it's it's inter- very interesting tech, um, the Mirai, uh, in terms of what it does. That the only um, thing that the emission that comes from it is pure water uh, that you can actually drink. Um, it's probably a little bit warm mm. when it comes out. but yeah. um, it, it's, I'd be putting it, it with some ice first. Yeah, I think it needs a bit of a cool down before you can actually yeah. drink it. But it's impressive tech. This new mirror is a good-looking thing as well. It's a lot bigger yeah, than much the, better the previous gen. So it actually allows um, for... Uh, five people seating, as where previously it was only four, um, and it actually has bigger tanks as well. It has three tanks where the previous one only had two. So obviously its range will probably be increased as, as a result. But, yeah, I'm excited to see them here and what they're doing with them. Toyota's been a big um, backer of this hydrogen um technology, and as, like you said, Ash, so is um, Hyundai. So, yeah, it's, it's another you know, commitment by brands to, to see what they're trying to do with this this tech. And, uh, yeah, I'm excited to see, um, you know, who else gets involved and what else we see down the track. And, and you know, not to, to bring up a previous topic, but, you know, hydrogen requires refueling. Um, and perhaps this is, you know, the... The, the next best, you know, it's like that alternative to recovering the fuel excise is going hydrogen and encouraging hydrogen vehicle, vehicles because, you know, it might be easier to, to switch out gas pumps, you know, petrol pumps for hydrogen um, and you can still claw back that, um, you know, that, that fuel excise by charging through the hydrogen but picking up, you know, with the offset being, well, you get faster um you know, refueling times, so it's more equivalent to a petrol vehicle rather than waiting for a car to charge. And, um, you know, you do get slightly better range as well. Maybe, you know, maybe before we know it, the we'll be all driving hydrogen electric vehicles rather than, um, you know, just pure electric using lithium-ion batteries. <laughs> who knows? And it's yeah, exciting you know, we'll because, because more brands are, you know, they're going. And this is obviously the the play which Toyota are going for. Um, you know, they, they haven't really ventured into the plug-in hybrid with the exception of the, the, the RAV4. 
um, and, and, and their particular model there, which they're playing around with. But, um, but yeah, they've, they've, they haven't released a full EV model model yet. Um, and yet have kept, you know, utilizing their Prius technology, which they've been building on for, for quite a long time now. Um, so it's interesting to see that Toyota are really pushing this way as well. Um, in terms of, you know, their, their next step as part of, you know, their, um, their, their environmentally conscious, um, step forwards but it's good to see good to see anyway yeah exactly and uh, we can only you know follow this to see what more and um hopefully you know maybe at some stage they might do an, an event and allow journeys to drive um them and actually we might get a chance to, to get behind the wheel yeah Okay, one that I do hope that I get behind the wheel of, and um, he's definitely not fuel, um, you know, fuel friendly, um, is a six point four liter V eight powered um, four by four by four seventy Jeep Wrangler Rubicon. Um, it's a basically bringing four hundred seventy horsepower into and, and shoehorning it into a Jeep Wrangler, and um, yeah, it's a uh, pretty cool thing to to see and to to know that they've been able to squeeze that engine in yeah with 33 33 inch tires on 17 inch beadlock you know yeah. capable wheels which is pretty cool for the off-road with plenty of power um goes on sale the first quarter of 2021 um but i don't know whether there has been any mention nothing as yet whether or not it will come here or not yeah. So what is interesting is this was posted by Jeep Australia um, as a press release. So that gives me some resemblance of hope that perhaps this might make yeah. its way down under. Because normally when we see this type of Jeep info, it does come from um, the US um, part of the company. But this came. Well, there would be some clarification in the in the release that um, that it, you know that it's US only or yeah. whatever. But yeah, it says they that they don't put any of that in. No, so it's uh, it's interesting, um, and makes me makes me hopeful that even well, we can only hope there. that we will see them down under because this thing will be pretty fun to uh, right. to get behind the wheel of. And knowing that there's a you know there's a market for the SRTs and the Trackhawks when it comes to the the Grand Cherokees, I'm sure that there's going to be a market for oh yeah for that Wrangler. Um, but tell me about this. Uh, GWM uh, Ute that's been announced. It's sort of been causing a little bit of a buzz. Yeah, uh, so Great Wall have announced that um, that they're going to have this new GM uh, Ute due actually to hit the dealerships either later this month or early next month. Um, yeah. And it's, it's weird. It's going to be called the Canon, um, which is an interesting thing. It's going to have two-litre turbo diesel, 120 kilowatts, 400 newton metres with a ZF eight-speed auto, um, four-by-four drivetrain with um, on-demand torque, rear diff lock, um, really, you know, under 10 litres, you know, fuel economy, um so yeah, it's it's an interesting looking thing. Um, I think it'll be where was that pricing? Uh, so starting at um, thirty three nine ninety with a yeah. seven year unlimited kilometer warranty, five years of roadside assist, um, which is pretty pretty impressive. The Canon L 
um, jumps up to $37,990. Um, drive away, by the way, this isn't um, MSRP. And then um, the Canon X priced from $49,90. And it's funny when you're reading the, the features, so let's just call a few out here. So um, in the entry level model, you've got a two liter turbo diesel with 120 kilowatts and 400 newton meters of torque. It's got a ZF eight speed automatic transmission. Those transmissions don't come cheap. Mm. Um, 4x4 drivetrain with torque on demand. This is all in the base model too. This base model, 33,990 drive away. Um, Four-wheel disc brakes. That's insane. Like that's that's great to see because a lot of um, utes still don't have disc brakes all round. Um, And then in terms of safety, you've got forward collision warning, uh, autonomous emergency braking, lane departure warning, lane keep assist, lane change assist, recross traffic alert, adaptive cruise control, traffic sign recognition, over speed alert, vehicle stability control, tire tire pressure monitoring system, reverse camera, curbside camera, rear parking sensor, seven airbags, including a front center airbag, collision automatic unlock, um, collision automatic fuel cut, Hill start assist, hill descent control, um, yeah, and then the interior features, keyless entry, push button stock, um, comfort tech, which are eco leather seats, air conditioning, well, that's standard, but 9-inch LCD screen, Apple CarPlay and Android Auto. Um, yeah, like, what else do you want? They even put a power outlet specifically for a dash camera. Um so yeah, uh, then you step up to the next model. And you get a th- you pick up a whole heap of things, including a spray and tub liner, three sixty degree camera, um, yeah, a two hundred twenty volt power output as well plug. Um, so yeah, I, I don't always know a good thing. You want. Good, yeah, it's a good thing to have. But yeah, yeah. across the board, they they're well spec. So um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see um, how it goes and and you know where what the sales are like we'll have to keep an eye on it over the sales over the next couple of months of honestly who would have thought and it actually doesn't look too bad either no it's a really nice design to it probably not my favorite looking you but it certainly is possible and with those features for the money um you know that they definitely know what they're they're aiming for um the only thing they're really missing is a cooled seats yeah <laughs> that's, that's pretty much it. you got heated seats um wireless charging so yeah that's certainly definitely um very very impressive mm. okay let's jump on bring a trailer did you find anything this week have you had it yeah I, did. To, I, had a, I had a quick look uh, before yeah. but the one of the previous ones we talked about uh, probably a couple of weeks ago now was that um g63 amg six by six ended up selling for nine hundred thousand dollars so Gee. Pretty pretty nuts. So um, I've got three this week that I found. Um, probably a couple of honourable mentions. Yeah. Starting with the 2007 Celine S7 LM. Oh, um, nice. The LM is obviously the tribute to the Le Mans, which they actually ran these cars at um, many, many years ago. Um yeah, I haven't seen one of these for a while, so it's um, it's an, an impressive looking thing with all the extra body kit and the and the wheels and yeah, it's um, 
Yeah, pretty cool. It's currently at $615,000 with five days left. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, it's only done 158 miles. I don't know why someone that owns this is um, uh, is not running, not, not driving around with it and running low miles, which is a bit yeah. of a shame. <laughs> um, and then the other one was an 89 Celine Mustang uh, Impressor State, Impressor Stage 2, um, one, of only, one of only 100. Uh, this thing's an awesome-looking fox body. The Celine fox bodies were pretty cool. That were, were built by Celine with their awesome body kit. This thing's in white. Um, eight days left. It's at twenty grand. Um, I reckon this will probably go for at least, um, probably thirty, probably closer to forty grand. I reckon by the time. So. Mm-hmm. I'm interested to see what it's like if it um, well, it probably won't be up by the time we record next week, but uh, we'll keep an eye on it and, and let you know what it goes for. But my pick this week was a 5,000 mile 94 Jag XJ220. Nice. Um, don't see many of those. It's um, no. uh, being sold out of Fresno in California. Okay. Um, so it's probably someone's from their lovely collection. Um, it's a left hooker. It's in that stunning silver that the XJ220s were done in. Um, it's got 10 days left um, and it's got it's at $300,000. So um, I reckon it'll have to go for close to probably close to a million, I'm guessing. Um, maybe maybe less, depending on what the market's like in the US for this sort of stuff at the moment. But these things were just brilliant. Um, one of the most magic um, Jags that have ever was ever built. Probably sort of second to the XJR15, which is the the racing sort of version of the um, XJ220. So um, yeah, pretty uh, pretty impressive thing. So yeah, I'll be uh, interested to see what it ends up selling for. <laughs> yeah. What did you find, Ash? Um, so one, this is more of just uh, interesting, but I probably wouldn't. You know, if I was in the market, I probably wouldn't buy it. And this is 2007 Spiker C8. I saw that, yeah. Yeah. So this current bid, it's got seven and a half hours left. It's bid at $250,000. If you're not accustomed to the Spiker, so this has got a 4.2-litre Audi V8, six-speed manual transactional. Um, This particular one is in like a jet black with... Chrome highlights. Um, yeah, it's just uh, it's just one of those interesting cars. Um, very much a you know done for the love of you know automotive, um, but probably not the most practical to car, um, you know to to, to have, um, but certainly one to add to the collection. Yeah, it's an interesting car. They're one of those things that we've, that's the second one we've probably seen in the last sort of couple of months that came up for sale. So yeah. um, it's impressive to see there's another one sort of pop through. But yeah, just um, they're a rare thing. Those things are just so unique when they were built. Yeah, and and these values are really kind of um, you know they're, they're they're shooting up quite weirdly. So this one's at two hundred and fifty thousand, but one just recently sold at two thousand eight, so slightly newer, um, silver with red interior and at it's um currently at four hundred and thirty seven thousand US dollars. Um so two hundred and fifty thousand seems like a steal. Um but yeah my yeah. my actual pick though is a is a unimog um oh, yeah. <laughs> um and it's only because I, I saw one today a new one today um out on the road must have been yeah, right. um, just sort of during uh pre-delivery 
um, for a for a customer. And um, man, they're just so unique to see out on the road. But this particular one is um, looks to be ex uh, ex military uh-huh. um, with ninety nine thousand kilometers on it. It's like about sixty two thousand um, miles. Five point nine liter turbo diesel inline six eight speed manual transmission. It's got four reverse gears um, and four wheel drive locking dips. Um, certainly one that sort of proudly wear the uh, go anywhere label um, with no, not, not too many worries. Yeah, it's uh, they're always interesting to see. There's one that has lived around the corner from from my place, and uh, they're quite interesting. Yeah, um, yeah, it's uh, I'd be interested to see what it ends up selling for. Absolutely. Um, but it's only at $9,000 at the moment. Um, okay. It's probably about right mm-hmm. um, for it. But, yeah, it's it's just one of those ones that you go, yeah, that's uh, it'd be a cool thing to have, particularly if you've got a large property and you can just sort of drive around on that, you know. Maybe not take the Defender, maybe take the Unimog out. Yeah. Move some things or move some trees or something. Yeah, exactly. Uh, There's a guy that's bought one over in WA. There was a write-up on, I think, uh, which car about it, which he uses it for um, – uh, pulling, you know, um, cars that are stuck and four drives that are stuck out of places uh, in different parts of the yeah. of, um, the West Australian outback, and uh, yeah, makes for um, interesting reading with what he's been doing with it. But yeah. Uh, yeah, they're they're pretty cool, and he actually bought a second one. Business be- became so good for him that he bought a second one because he wow. was just so busy with that sort of stuff. So yeah, cool. Uh, well, let's um, let's jump across to some international news. So, two main things out of this one. So, uh, this one, SEMA sort of went in a in in its own sort of way this year. It went digital this year. Yeah. <laughs> um, but man, didn't Kia get it right? It kind oh, of looks yeah. like it kind of looks like a Hot Wheels or a Matchbox mm. car, um, particularly with the way that they've done the photos. But um, they've taken the the Kia Sorento and turned it into an off roading beast. Um, think of big uh, big yellow wheels with chunky tires, a slight lift, matte green um, paint job, and um, sort of your wheel arches as well. <laughs> really, yeah. really cool setup roof rack system on it as yeah, well with a big lockable car on the Pelican case on the roof, bunch of LEDs across the front. Yeah, um, yeah this thing's really cool. It's, uh, it almost looks like it should be part of the um, Jurassic Park. Yeah, um, it does look set. like it. It, sh- it could it could appear in the next Jurassic Park as yeah. if Key wanted to do a uh, a brand um, partnership. I think that would be it'd be perfect. Yeah, and they've also done a couple of other um, models as well, including um, I'm not too sure what the Zion concept has on. On top, it's a bit. It's, a, it's hard to tell what it is. It's different to the previous one, and I can't see any info on it right here. Um, but it's got. Uh, let me have a look. I'm trying to read through. So it's got 20 inch wheels wrapped in 32 inch all terrain tires. Um, so blah 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 blah. Uh, design has a custom roof box, and unlike the after most aftermarket roof boxes, this one's very low profile, hugging the fracture roof lines. Um, so yeah, so it's just something that sits a little bit lower and probably has a little bit less drag as well if you to put your your stuff up there. But it certainly looks interesting. Mm. Um, but it certainly suits the styling with the Kia Sorento. Oh yeah, very much so. Especially the new design as well, with the yeah. the angles in it, and it's very much related to its big brother as well, with some yeah. of the angles and stuff in it as well. 
of course. But yeah, it's just it reminds me of what Jeep do every year um, when they release At their the Easter Moab. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I'd love to see more of this, and and surely this is a way for them to, to toy with uh, special editions and and things like that to to bring out across my different markets. But okay, uh, Lamborghini. Um, is anybody surprised when we said that they're bringing out another special yeah. edition of a Huracan? Is it more downforce, less weight, and of course, more expensive? Yeah. Um, so it almost seems kind of funny that you know Mercedes, and we and we said for now because when Mercedes sort of took that Nurburgring uh, lap record, because basically Lamborghini had it beforehand um, with the Super Trofeo. Um, or the sorry, the Performante, um, but yeah. So this new special edition is called the Super Trofeo Omologata. I think that's how you pronounce it. Sorry, anybody who's Italian, and um, I just uh, absolutely butchered that. Um, but yeah, it is this of any of their cars that they've done. This is probably the most race car inspired I've seen by far. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, very much so. It, um, Can I see it in another color? Yeah, even though it pretty much borrows a lot of like the golf coloring, doesn't mm. it? Like the orange and the blues. Um, it's super aggressive. Borrows a lot of elements from previous cars they've done, p- p- previous concept cars. It's as very, well. very much like the Squadra Corsa um, yeah. race car series that they ran yeah. as well. Um, yeah. It seems it's taken a little bit of you know a lot of influence from that as well. Yeah. Yeah. No, very impressive. And um, let's just see. So it's a 5.2 liter V10. Um, yeah, so 640 horsepower. Torque sits at a 417 pound feet, um, which is a little bit lower, but the, the acceleration certainly makes up for it. Um, so it's 0 to 62, uh, which is 0 to 100 an hour speak in three seconds. Um, and it's got a top speed just short of 100 of, of 200 miles per hour. And 90, 95 pounds lighter than the already light Performante. <laughs> yeah. And what makes it interesting is that it is rear-wheel drive, not all-wheel drive. So um, that should actually mean that it should be a little bit quicker around uh, the Nürburgring because it's saving that weight. Um, yeah. And also not losing as much power through the four-wheel drive system as well. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so 75% of the exterior panels are carbon fibre. Um, windshield is 20% lighter than Performante. Um, and the magnesium wheels um, compared to aluminum wheel or aluminium wheels on the previous model as well. So they're definitely going all out on this one. And, um, yeah, it's, it's kind of funny. Lamborghini seems to know how to, you know, do minor tweaks, minor adjustments to really improve, um, you know, and, and provide some sort of level of leap in their cars, don't they? Without yeah. going to a totally new model. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of like the, you know, we know when it's getting towards the end of its life when they start having yeah, um, that's true. more more and more of the special edition stuff, you know, Bugatti's yeah. still doing it. Um, Pagani did it as well. So um, it's always exciting, you know, a new Lamborghini on the market, um, kind of like Ferrari when they've got new models as well, you know, for, mm. for the, for the, for the fans, it's, it's awesome to have a, another, another cool new model, you know, out there in the, in the market. It's good for, for fans, but for, I probably wouldn't be super excited as a, as an owner knowing no, that. You're... As an owner, I think, uh, you know, if you're committing to something in a couple of years out and then another edition comes out, I was like, Oh, do I buy the one I've already ordered? Do I change and wait yeah. for this new, this new <laughs> that's one that's right. come? So, yeah. yeah. 
okay. All right. So let's have some fun with this last bit. Uh, so the Grand Tour have come out with a new final trailer. We're getting yeah. a new a new episode. We're being a long, long wait. So um, yeah, this will be interesting. So uh, it's launching on the 18th of December on Prime. So mm-hmm. I don't know whether that means it'll launch in Australia on the 19th or late on the 18th for us. I always get confused with this combination, having gone just gone through this with um, Apple TV and yeah. um, uh, long way uh, up you know based on dates you never know so hopefully it is the 18th or it might be the 19th for here in Oz and just keep an eye on yeah refreshing yeah it's uh the week before Christmas so um thank you for the the early Christmas present um grand tour people um (laughs) but yeah the guys uh, are off to Madagascar um, with three interesting cars, which they, as per usual, modify after they originally have them. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Hammond looks like he's in a Focus RS. Um, Clarkson's in a Bentley. Um, and then um, May looks like he's in a Caterham uh, of some sort. So it's called a Massive Hunt. Um, and it looks like a lot of fun. And I can't wait to watch it. So um, I was reading the other day somewhere that... They reckon that there's probably two of these that have got in the pipeline waiting to, to launch. So there's obviously yeah, right. this one and possibly another one, mm. but they might have been able to film prior to, to COVID hitting. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's exciting to see and hopefully it's um, it's an enjoyable watch. But the trailer is now out on um, on their social media accounts that you can watch. doesn't show – shows a bit. But um, yeah, it should be uh, it should be exciting to watch. Yeah, I think um, I think that Bentley reminds me of there was one that was built very similar to that, um, like an off road um, sort of going project. Um, yeah, guy in the UK bought one. And, yeah. uh, and stripped it out and did the same yeah. sort of thing. So they might have. Is taken it the same car? Do you think? No, no, it's own? different. It's different okay. car. I think it's um, his was an early model. Um, uh, yeah, Continental right. GT. I think yeah. this is a later model one. So, um, by the look of it, they probably borrowed a few of those uh, those ideas. Yeah, possibly, quite possibly indeed. All right, so this this one's um, you just you just finished your defender, didn't you? No, my defender's defender? still going, Ash. Okay, um, it's it's uh, I got so busy with work and everything, it's been put <laughs> on the the back burner. So I got. Um, I'm almost what you would say probably half halfway through. So I'm through bag one series and then bag two series. So uh, when you buy these Technic Lego things, they come with series of bags for the instructions. But the instruction book for the Defender is nothing like a, like having already built the the Lego. Um, Dodge Charger from Fast and the Furious. Um, certainly yeah. check out my my Instagram or my Facebook uh, at Joel Strick Photo to check out the little build video that I did of that. That was interesting in terms of how big it was in terms of what it took. But this Defender is another world. So, but for those of us that have been excited by Lego, um, it's coming into summer now, so it's probably not so much <laughs> exciting when we've come out of mm. lockdown. So there's probably not so much time to to really enjoy it. But um, I build mine so that anytime I can pack it up and come back to it. But there's a new one coming. Lego Technic have gone into partnership with McLaren, and McLaren are going to release the McLaren Senna GTR. Um, it's going to be an 830 piece model, um, yeah. including opening doors, um, and it's in a really cool color scheme. It's in a sort of that really nice blue with sort of black accents and silver accents. So um, 
But the weird thing is, it's not coming out until after Christmas. It goes on sale on the first of like January. A opportunity. Yeah. Um, yeah, but but yeah, it's yeah. going to sell for. I mean, this is US pricing. It's going to sell for fifty dollars. So, um, I'm guessing that uh, it'll probably sell for maybe probably a hundred, hundred and fifty. So I'm guessing it's probably going to be around about that kind of size of the um, the, the Dodge Charger uh, yeah. in terms of pieces. So, um, but I'm excited. Um, I've got my local um, local guy I buy my Lego from, I'm waiting for him to hopefully announce that, you know, when it's going on sale so I can pre-order it hopefully. Um, yeah. But, yeah, it's exciting to see what um, – uh, well, there you go. The Dodge Charger was 1,077 pieces um, and this one is going to be, what did I say, 830. So it's a little bit less. So, okay, so it's probably going to be not as – technical um and full-on as what the defender is it'll be a little mm. bit less than the charger but still it'll be a lot of fun to build yeah i think um and i think that's the beautiful thing that they definitely know how to build a yeah a great looking set yeah um so it's yeah. about 30 looking at the measurements on it they say that it's about 12 inches long um yeah. which is about 30 centimeters so mm. um it's going to be a bit shorter than the the charger but i still still think it'll be a, a nice model to add to the collection when it, when it goes yeah. on sale and fill in some time it's just a pity it won't be filling in time over the uh over the holidays over the christmas break, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think yeah. uh, it might be for some. I mean, for the guys in the US, perfect because it'll be over winter for them. But um, for us in Oz, um, it might be a, a summer project uh, towards the end of summer once that they finally go on sale. Yeah. yeah. No, so um, now the next one I've just been clicking through, probably hear my mouse clicking um, as I've been going through and just still in awe of um, these concept cars that Porsche have shown off. Um, yeah, this was an interesting story that came out during the week. There, yeah. um, they've actually turned it into a book. So I'm, I'm also on the hunt for this book. I've got a, a couple of bookstores. I'm keeping an eye out to see when they might hopefully put it on sale here in Oz. Um, but yeah, they built a, they've built something like 14 different concepts that they've revealed, and a lot of them are actually uh, only small scale models. But things like the the 919 Street, which is uh, basically um it's actually as you might think it, it's it's might be based on the Le Mans car um mm. but it's actually not it's actually more of a rival for the Vulcan or the the Ferrari FXXK um yeah you know a track only version of uh, Le Mans winning race car so that was pretty cool and then um was going to have a 900 horsepower V4 engine um the Vision Safari which is their sort of lifted off road Rally car uh, based on a 911 was pretty cool. The McCann Vision Safari, which was just awesome looking thing with the older style wheels on it, um, kind of like uh, a Paris Dakar sort of thing. Um, the Mons Living Legend, which was a really nice sort of design with it yeah. open. The box, the Berg Spider, like an open top spider based on a on a on a boxster 
Uh, that thing just looks brilliant. The, the 904 Living Legend, so another Living Legend one, is probably my favourite. And, um, yes, yeah, so this is about two from 2013 after the designers got hold of a carbon monocoque chassis from v, VW's rare and ice cool eco diesel, the XL1 Streamliner. And it's just, oh, man, just a really cool, compact little yeah. um, sports car. Just- Connor, it's hard, hard to really put your finger on what it looks like. You look at yeah. it from different angles and go, yeah. oh, I can kind of see stuff in it. I don't know yeah, that's what... Right. Uh, it's kind of very early sort of three, five, six Porsche kind yeah. of feel because it's sort of short yeah. and stubby, but it's kind of got these nine eleven sort of turbo-ish wheels and yeah, it's um it's just brilliant. And then it's got you can see from the back end of it, it definitely has nine three five or what made it into the yeah. nine three five. You know that, that rear that new, that that new nine three five concept. Yeah, interesting, yeah. but it's still got that Porsche grill across the top yep. of the engine and yeah, yeah, it's um. It's pretty pretty cool with what they've um, created and and yeah. the fact that they've allowed you know allowed you to see these um, images of, of what it is. Um, a little cool, I think. Yeah, <laughs> it's interesting. I think um, I think it was Classic Driver magazine had some um, pictures on their site the other day, and you could actually see the um, the scale feel of. Um, what they actually, what the model actually looks like. Yeah, yeah, there's a picture of a bunch of them sitting on a rack in a, in a storeroom um, of what they actually look like. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's quite it's quite interesting for for some of the design. But the book is called Porsche Unseen, um, and it's a it's a pretty cool um, book. So yeah, I'm hoping it might become for us, come available here in Australia at some yeah. stage. Um, because yeah, it's been just nice to sort of read a bit more about the thinking behind a lot of these models. Mm. And I think because Porsche do a great job of doing that. I even love, um, whenever they introduce a new model, they bring in information about, you know, how the name comes together, like even how the Taycan or even how the Cayman, Macan, all that, like the origin of the name and, and how it comes together. And I, I just love the the philosophy that goes in behind it. And, um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to reading this. I've got the 911, the history of the 911 book that Porsche put out for the 50th anniversary. Um, and so, yeah, it's, that's a great read as well. But, yeah, I'd love to to, to learn more about this and, yeah, see, and see, see, see what we could have had. Yeah, you know, that's and the why they didn't the do it or whether it then influenced something else down the track. Yeah, um, yeah it makes for, for very interesting uh, reading generally. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, and then finally another sort of from from the same automotive group the um the audi rsx gto concept um man this is just insane oh the wheels on it like the they just look uh it's bizarre it just you look at it from first glance and it's kind of like a you know it's a current gen gdo that someone's just gone but not only did they make it you know the 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 gd the original sort of um, Audi GDO was based on a more like an Audi 80 series sedan. Yeah. They've gone and done this based on a wagon. Mm. Um, I think Shane Mick's not here tonight to talk about this because he would he'd love it. Being a wagon lover like myself, yeah. he would really appreciate this as well. So, 
but yeah, it's just it's in that you know traditional GDO retro livery um, with the massive sort of aero wheels on the outside. Um, yeah, very very cool. Mm. Um, yeah, it's it got just... all the performance that goes with it, right? It's been in RS6, so it's got 591, 591 horsepower from the twin turbo V8, um, but packed on with what what bodywork? Three point six seconds zero to one hundred time. Um yeah, no, this is um yeah again it's a real it's a really nice we won't tri- see but tribute to the Audi. Oh Audi ninety, not eighty. I was wrong. I was close. <laughs> Audi ninety. Um it's a tribute to the Audi ninety IMSA GTO race car back from the nineties, which is still an absolute brilliant brilliant car. But yeah, well done Audi. I love that the fact that you've turned this into a concept. It's just brilliant. It just uh, gives gives their designers something to to do and and, and yeah. you know not that a yeah it doesn't have to comply to anything you know yeah exactly an expression and exploration of um yeah you know of ideas and the fact that even in these times these businesses are still going out and creating these things um, it's so good to see for us I love on, their you know, seats too that are in yeah there. I ripped out the rear seats and and put a roll cage and everything yeah. in as well that's just you know they've really thought about it so yeah. Oh well, that um, I think that's given us a lot of things to. I'm still gonna. I'm still look. I'm still pour over all the photos of the Porsche concept because yeah. it's just they've really been forever. A chunk of them out online as well, um, to to play around with and to to look into. But um, what what have you got on this week? Uh, anything? Uh, anything exciting? Uh, a bit more flying this week. Um, yeah. I've got some stuff to do to, tomorrow for uh, for a client where we're doing some flying around. Um, uh, hopefully around the wharf area of Melbourne. To, they've just had a massive delivery of products, so we're going to do some stuff with with that, which would be cool. And then um, I'm heading off to do some car stuff uh, later in the week at this stage, again, depending on, on weather. So I might be able to talk more about that. Um, probably not straight away, but maybe in a couple of weeks' time. So, mm. Um, mm. so that should be pretty good. Um, what's your plans with the, uh, the Gladiator? Uh, so... Not fully set on 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 anything yet, but definitely um, probably going to be a friend of mine's got a jet ski, so probably going to hook that up ah, and cool. um, you know sort of head out and I guess really live up to that to that lifestyle. Yeah. I do at one point um, because the everything is designed to be pulled off, so the mm-hmm. the doors, the roof, the oh, what's can, the mirror set up? Is the mirror attached to the doors? So the mirrors are attached to the doors, unfortunately. Yeah, so. I know that someone had made an amount in the US to allow for you to to reattach, but they haven't really thought about that for Australia. I don't think yet. No, so, so that's that. As far as I'm aware, that is the limiting factor when it comes mm. to being able to remove the doors and drive it on the road. Safety mm. is one thing, but you know, whatever. Um, when it comes to this vehicle, they don't. You know, we we know that the safety rating doesn't. You know, sort of, it's not there to to impress yeah. anyone. But it's built for a very specific reason, just like the the uh, the the Suzuki Jimny. Um, you know, it's it's designed for purpose, and mm. you know, part of that purpose for for the Jeep Wrangler and the Jeep yeah. Gladiator is the you know its modularity. Mm. Um, and so there's a little toolkit that's just in the center, and um, that same toolkit will allow you to remove the entire hard shell of the roof, yeah, as nice. well as um, the doors. Um, and folding down of the the front windscreen, so mm-hmm. I will hopefully at one point get a chance to just rip it all off and to see what it's like and yeah. to go through that. Process. I think you probably need to do a bit of a time lapse of it as well. I think yeah. so we can see you know the the time how it all comes apart and all that sort of stuff. So it should make for some uh, interesting uh, photos and video. I think at least too. 
Yeah, so it's uh, that <laughs> that will be the um, the experimentation with that, um, and I think just just driving it um, and and taking it to to certain places that. Mm. Um, you know, if if you because I have seen a few around in the inner city, and so I want to see what that is like, given how yeah. long it is. Dialing um, it during the week, I think, is an interesting thing to to get one side of the story, but then also to see what it's like of a weekend taking it off road. You know, pulling the jet ski, taking it to the beach, that sort of stuff, or maybe up into the hills, and absolutely. you know what what it, what it's like, and then how it changes the economy and stuff as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely spot on there. Um, so yeah, it's uh, I'm very excited. I've been looking forward to this week for a, for a little while now. Um, <laughs> so it's finally here, and I'm yeah, don't want to don't want to waste that time with it at all. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to it, and uh, yeah, I'll report back uh, next week when we meet. Yeah, again. look forward to hearing what your thoughts are. Yeah, so thank you for for making it all this way, and um, you know, don't forget to to rate and review us on iTunes. That helps a lot. Um, you can follow Joel at Joel Strick Photo. You can follow everything else that we're doing at Daily Auto Fix. And um, of course, if you have any questions uh, that you want us to answer about cars or I don't know. You can ask about other stuff. I'm not sure how good the answers will be, but you know, ask away. But yeah, if you if you're looking oh, at I've a got, car, got a little bit of feedback before on oh, yeah. questions. Yeah, you know, we had a couple of people ring um, messages and ask us what they were thinking to buy uh, with cars, and I heard back from one the other week, the one that oh, we were asking okay. about SUVs, and they ended up buying a Tiguan. Oh, um, so they were the ones that were looking for a mid-size SUV. Um, they went and drove a few of them. They were really impressed by the Renault. Um, very much liked it, liked the spec, uh, liked the interior, liked the pricing, but they ended up getting a really good deal on a Tiguan that was an ex-corporate car from Volkswagen. Yeah. Um, so it had uh, it had um, decent, you know, over to demo Ks on it, but um, they got it for a really, really good price. Um, and, yeah, I think it was only last year's model. So they picked that up last week and they've been really happy with it from uh, what I've heard. So, yeah, so if you certainly got any questions that you want us to answer or you're looking for a recommendation on what to buy, certainly drop us a line and, uh, and get in touch and we'll certainly see what we can do to, to help you with um, our thoughts and whether it helps persuade you which way to go. Yeah, well, um, I think uh, with that then, you can email us, shows at dailyautofix.com. But until then, uh, and we'll see you next week. Uh, but stay safe, drive safe, and uh, until next time. We'll talk to you soon. All right, see you later.